Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamanga.com's very own podcast. This time around, we're going to talk comics, but it's actually a special podcast this time. It is our Halloween podcast, or our Paracast. I'm JP, as always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. Seven days. (laughs) (laughs) Also with us today is the vicious co-host... Bad Ram! Bad Ram! <laughs> you guys are getting me nervous now because, well, thank God I don't have to do any of those things. <laughs> okay, also with us today is the admin. Jun Yong! Oh, God. That movie was oh. awfully scary, especially the American version. And the A. Henry. <clears throat> Brains. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? I had to. That hey, you know what? That's two. All right. So, normally this is our comics podcast, but we're going to forego additional comic fun after our first comic review to talk paranormal stories. But first, a little housekeeping. We don't really have anything to talk about in housekeeping, so that's all of housekeeping. <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! All right. So, moving on. This house is clean. It's so very clean. I know. So recently at the Days of Terror convention, we actually were able to get. Oh no, this wasn't Days of Terror. This was SatCon, wasn't it? No, those days. No, it was SatCon. Oh, it's all a blur. That weekend, that weekend was kind of a blur. (laughs) Several of the people that were at Days of Terror were also at SatCon. Anyway, I believe it was SatCon on Sunday. So at the recent SatCon, we ran Uh, into Paul Allen. His table was very colorful. Of Microsoft, (laughs) (laughs) different. So Paul Allen is the artist for Planet of the Vampire Woman, The Chronicles of Jack Vanda, written and created by Darren Wood, art and hempography by Paul Allen. Uh, uh, He very generously hooked us up with this comic, and we promised to give it a review and put it up on the podcast, and so here we are, and uh, I gotta say, it was really, really fun. (laughs) It was. Yeah. (laughs) The admin's making pouty face. (laughs) Uh, That's not the way I would describe it, but yeah, let's see. It was very misogynistic, shall we say? Shall we say. So, Uh I mean, so let's just, the the cover, well, it says, Trash Film Orgy Presents Mature Content, Planet of the Vampire Woman, The Chronicles of Jack Vanda. On the cover there's basically a bunch of naked bright blue vampire vampire women women that are kind of sexy and coming at this guy who has giant teeth and glasses he doesn't (laughs) seem to be resisting and he doesn't seem to be resisting very far yes and he has quite the pompadours right yes and and then there's a there's a woman with like i don't even know how to describe which space boob situation (laughs) oh okay no what was it the uh she's a clone she's a clone yeah she's a sex Uh clone yes but for sex. The, the clothes remind me of like a Madonna video or something with like the crazy boob oh, the cones and yeah, yeah. so yeah it's just it's just really really random or the, or the first villain from Power Rangers <laughs> if, yes. if anybody else remembers reading yes, it exactly. sadly oh, yeah man. so so this story takes place just after the vampire planet is destroyed so a, a vampire infested moon explodes into 327 million pieces deliberately destroyed by a massive doomsday bomb a whole world intentionally annihilated to prevent the plague of vampiric parasites from spreading to other planets. As part of the 40,000-year-old Doomsday Contingency Plan, a long-range Tantra Drive pursuit (laughs) ship has launched. The pilot of the ancient alien ship is a Class 4 Necrobotic Assassin Unit. 
shit. Therefore, aliens. Therefore, aliens. Therefore, aliens. Her tits are huge. Yes, they are. And they have guns. And there are many tits. Yeah, well, no, that's a secret that I don't find that out until later. I'm pretty <laughs> sure everyone knows that there are guns in her tits. Ever yeah. since Austin Powers with the Jubblies. Yes, pretty much. absolutely. The best. So pretty much the necrobotic assassin unit is off trying to get rid of the escape pods that have shot away and contain potentially a 75% chance, apparently, <laughs> to have some vampire chicks in them. You, you gotta give them credit where credit's due. They're really exact with their numbers in this comic. Oh, they really they are. They're really very are. descriptive. I like how exactly they, they measured out how many pieces the planet blew up oh, into. Exactly. When, Just when precise when amount. Smithereens by any other name <laughs> is still smithereens. So the assassination bot comes across her first escape pod, and sure enough, it's not a vampire woman, it's Jack Vanda, pervert extraordinaire and bounty hunter type guy. <laughs> He's sort of like a more perverted and incredibly cliched Lone Star? Lone Star, yeah. Lone, there you go. Star. Lone Star. I was going to say Han Solo, but Han Solo is no, more Lone Star. Yeah. It's a scrappy nerf herder. That's yeah, that's right. And he hey, kind of has a face Star that Lord. looks a lot like Leisure Suit Larry. Yes! Oh my gosh, it is I'm Leisure Suit Larry in space. No, so it's Space was... Quest and Leisure Suit Larry combined into one There was a like, Leisure Suit Larry boob space, filled action. Oh, was there? Oh. Um, you guys are gonna have to help me out with this one. It's an anime about a thief. His name starts with an L. Lupin the Third. Lupin the Third. Holy Lupin. You're right. Even mm. the face shape it reminds you of Lupin the Third and the shit-eating grin. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. This was, as you can imagine, quite a random and crazy comic. I think campy B-movie sci-fi, and there you go. Yeah, but it was pretty entertaining. It was very entertaining. Let's go. So, starting with the Brian, what were your impressions? I was giggling. Like, just like a little girl. girl. Like a little schoolgirl. In fact, I was one step away from being like a Japanese schoolgirl with my hand in front of my mouth going, <laughs> you know, it, it was so freaking, this was very, very witty and comical. I like the fact that this is issue number one. And yet at the beginning of it, it starts previously <laughs> in Planet of the Vampire Woman. There were a lot of titties and blood. And then there were some huge explosions. I mean, this thing's just brilliant. It's like it's, all of the things. Yeah, when I saw that, you know, really kind of... It's just, like you know, Michael Bay's like, comic book. It's, no, it, it's basically like there's a robot chicken episode where people are just in the movie theaters and they're going through previews and one of them's like, a Michael Bay movie presents Michael Bay explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like kind of making fun of that. I love it. And then... At the very end, they also have this wonderful thing of on the back page. How many times have you bought a comic book and thought, what the fuck? There should be more blood. How the hell do shadows always cover up nipples and cocks? Look for the Hypnoskull seal of approval to make sure your comics don't edit out all the shit that should have been there in the first place. <laughs> Nice. And, yeah, it really is. The first time you see a vampire, there's fully laid bare pretty much everything. Yeah, total full frontal nudity mayhem. With huge fangs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, anything else you want to say about it? No, this was just, you know, just, I was laughing through this whole thing. It was very, very to be expected, but in my, I mean, it's random, but it's kind of like, okay... That's what's going to happen next. Well, you know, to be fair, there's, in the independent comic world, there's random and then there's, what? Yes. That doesn't yeah. make yeah. any sense at all. And this yes. this was cohesive. It was just really random. Yes. True. But it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's I mean, really, it, really it, funny. It, it, it still fits inside the constraints of a story that makes sense and moves forward. Has and a beginning, middle, and has end. Has a beginning, middle, and end. It doesn't just randomly throw things in there that don't belong. No, the universe uh, It belongs. Really, they're, they're just random. The, yeah. the universe, while random, definitely fits together. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, admin, let's hear your take. <laughs> so, first of all, this is a modern comic. It probably came out within the last year. So, it's on the really slick printed comic book paper. And reading through this, I really felt like it should have been in the 90s era newsprint. Uh, like, that's the type of thing that it feels like. It does feel kind of old-fashioned. A lot of the art at Paul Allen's table reminded me of the old Garbage Pail Kids style. Yeah. I mean, and not cool, quite the same. Cool but, world. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Late 80s, exactly. early 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, basically, what I really noticed with Allen's work is the man must live with a TV on. Because there are so many elements from so many other things in here. It's kind of surreal. So I was looking at the cover at the main character, Jack, thinking, okay, who does this guy remind me of? And I realized, you know, obviously Lupin the Third, that's kind of his facial structure. But the style of art is totally Chester Cheeto. Oh my goodness. Right? So true, yeah. with the glasses, the and shitty the teeth. Wow, yes. he's, yeah. he's wow. dangerously cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and if we, we if we flip back to Hypnoskull, why that's Metalocalypses. Oh, you're right. It's yeah. a mascot. I mean, he doesn't spikes. have horns. He needs more spikes. Yeah. yeah. Very similar, yeah. But totally, that is the soul of this. Like, So this dude pretty much lives in just TV land, but Cool World is exactly what I was thinking of for the pleasure clone. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm not really going to talk about the story because well, I couldn't f***ing find one. Oh, um, no. oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm Different surprised opinions. that you guys noticed the story since you would have been distracted by all the f***ing tits. Hey, we read it for the articles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, no. I'm trying, you know, I'm not going to be like the standard woman like, oh, it's got titties. It's not fair to women. No, no, no. It's just, it's f***ing ridiculous. The guy has... <laughs> it is ridiculous. I love how the assassin girl, the necro whatever, yeah, has ass plates to lift her ass <laughs> so she has ass cleavage like push up ass bra that, that's for the support for when she's necroboting yes of course so okay also Look. when she shoots guns at 50 caliber guns out of her tits it's for like support you know yeah. it's important absorb shock it makes sense you know okay here's the thing <laughs> The dude can draw, and I really dig his painting. I really like his style. But I think this dude must think that tits are like a bag of sand, because the (laughs) shit he has them do in some of these scenes, just hilarious. And I'm not even- so perky. I am not- Okay. (laughs) These are not perky. They're dangerous projectiles. Okay, literally there's this big spread in the center of the book. Really nice, very colorful. And some of the vampires are being shot up by the nipple guns. And literally... The 50 caliber nipple guns. The 50 caliber nipple guns. And the vampire chick's tits are whipping behind their backs. (laughs) Knocking out the girls behind them. It just... uh... Hey, but they're vampire tits. Have you ever felt vampire tits you never know yeah those must be like that, a that is true yes uh, it's a different different composition vampire pits, tits from another hey, well technically they don't say that they're vampires in the story in fact they yeah the guy's like i'm not gonna say they're vampires they got fangs and they drink blood <laughs> and they shoot lightning bolts out, out of their, their eyes, eyes. <laughs> that's what vampires do apparently that are sparkle. You know, yeah. they get to choose no, one. no, they no get to choose, Twilight reference is allowed. They get to choose one power when they reach tenth level. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they either become Twilight or they become vampire and shooting. So before the podcast started, I was reading through this and I was discussing it and. There's a little anatomical Easter egg in one of the scenes, and I believe I described this specific vampire as resembling more of a squeak toy than a woman. 
And, I and think we that, found her squeaker. Yeah. Aww. I think it holds up pretty well. I don't know, like, obviously this is very male-oriented and blah, 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 and all that. But, man, his shading is really good. <laughs> I mean, I know yeah, it's, it's really well-drawn. Yeah. It is. It, it's just, it's, 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 it's so clearly things. for, the, like, the little boys in yeah. this that, like, found, found you know, somebody's, you, you, you know, know playboy. It's like, mature like, content on the front, and it's really not it, about it, that. It, it's, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, a, of maturity. A, a parody of, like, a late 60s, early 70s sci-fi movies where, especially, like, Roger Corman kind of stuff, where it's just all about TNA, mm. you know, like, like Barbarella, Barbarella and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> the eighth Henry and I watched Barbarella recently. The most ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. An Have angel is love, man. An a- you know what, <laughs> what really got it for me on that one was they had a freaking song that was... I, I knew it was... It, I could smell it coming from a mile away. It's like, <laughs> they, like they're saying all this weird crap. I'm like, okay, they're, they're going to say the angel is love and I'm going to have to kill somebody. So somebody died that night. And uh, <laughs> yeah, long story short, yes. They were in the backyard. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, this looks like a comic. Like this yeah. looks like a professionally done... Dude has a background in mainstream comic sort of look. It feels, it looks, for all intents and purposes, it is a real life comic. It's just f***ing ridiculous. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Here's some tits. <laughs> well, you know, I think this book knows exactly what it is. Yeah, it does. And it represents itself exactly as it shamelessly it should shamelessly. Be. Yeah. <laughs> and no, it is completely shameless in all regards. Absolutely. And... Like I told you, I looked up the uh, the trailer for the movie that this is based on. Which we totally should see. Which you have to see. Oh my god. <laughs> We're going to watch this over the break. Yeah. This is happening. The special effects are actually kind of good. We'll, we'll let the like, admin be the judge of that. <laughs> Alright, to preface that, better than you would expect to see in an independent horror film called Planet of the Vampire Women. <laughs> Okay, on a sliding scale, where is this movie in comparison to Die, You Zombie Bastards? Shit. It it puts Die, You Zombie Bastards to shame, really. What about that movie with the hand and the... Oh, the waterbed that eats you. I have no idea what you're talking about. Our eyes all just went like... (laughs) Man, I gotta remember what the name of that is. But yeah, there's this movie about a bed... No, no, maybe it's not a waterbed, but anyway, it's a horror movie about a bed that eats anybody that lays down on it. And there's this scene where the dude puts his hand down on the bed and then he pulls it up and it's just oh. all a skeleton. And he's like, oh, no pain. Just like, <laughs> he's surprised that this happened. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, I saw this when I was a kid. I'm sitting here thinking, why are the bones staying together? <laughs> it's <a bit> clean. <laughs> I actually that saw work. that clip and and I saw a clip where he somebody fed somebody else to the bed and that that just that, that let me know it wasn't worth it. We will endeavor to figure out what this I is and put it. Bleach cast number dos. Oh jeez, I I came across a bunch of movies for the Bleach cast recently. Oh, man. So I looked up this terrible movie on the Netflix iPhone app and unlike oh, on the television app, it says. Oh, movie similar to this movie. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, no! Oh. And a bunch of stuff that we had in the Bleach cast. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, jackpot!" <laughs> oh. So, Joe, so compl- finish your thought on this. Okay. So, like the admin was saying, the art is ridiculously solid for being so enormously silly. I remember we were divvying up the comics to to kind of get through. <laughs> you grabbed that one. You guys heard. You're looking at, like, Planet of the Vampire Women. 
We just got done, like, at three days of conventions. You guys are all tired. Like, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so I, I grabbed it. I read it. I brought it back and said, all right, we have to read it. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. Honestly, I think we were expecting crap because we saw a lot of not good work. Yeah, at the con. You when, know, when you, when you just preface kinda... it with crap, you might as well just say we saw a lot of crappy work at the con. Not yeah. not not use double ungoods and other. He's trying. He's just what? trying to be diplomatic. Yeah. I suppose. You know, when I saw the cover, I genuinely thought this was going to be like a Ren and Stimpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see like that. It was, like that. Yeah. Like adult party Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. We don't talk about that. No, we don't. No, we don't. I couldn't actually watch all of it. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Meanwhile, back at the yeah, end. I, I think we all thought it wasn't going to be. As good as it turned out to be, so I'm really glad. Yeah, no, it's, we, it's totally gave solid. It a chance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I heard the title, actually, <laughs> no. John- so, so, so the Brian comes over, and we're talking about which comic we're going to review tonight. And we had a couple of comics, and we actually skipped over a few that were we will get to, but we skipped over a few that were not Halloween themed to try and find some that were. And this was one of the ones that came to the top of the pile. Yeah, the we, other one we were going to do was kind of long. The other so. one we, had, we were going to do was great, and we're looking forward to doing, but it's really long. And we didn't have a whole heck of a lot of time to prepare before the podcast today. And this one was just a normal size issue, and so we decided to go with it. And I said, well, and Brian's like, well, this one's, man, this one that you guys are thinking about doing is it's really long. Could you have anything else? And I said, well, we do have... Planet of a Vampire Woman. You actually told me Vampire Women in Space. Oh, well, I'm like, well, I mean, it's sold. It's and then <laughs> you tell me Planet of the Vampire Women. Even more sold. <laughs> Brian was like, yes. So Henry, I just figured camp-tastic. I was, what did you I was happy. Henry? Well, I enjoyed it. I guess I have to approach this from the perspective of a writer. There was only a few times where I, I saw directly through to what they were getting at. It was good. It was well put together. Like you saw through... The plot points, like you could see ahead of it. Yeah, I mean, it's like it was running on a track, and it, it's it did a little bit too much of a, a quote unquote good job of trying to divert you from it mm-hmm. to to the point where it's just like, well, look at this negative space here to the left of us. You know, here's where we're going, and this negative space clearly illustrates the point we're trying to make. Right. But other than that, it was very well done, and I was amused. I I, I would be proud to own a copy. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's fun. Yeah. Well, I think that mostly what I would have said has been already said, but. I do think that it goes without saying that there was lots of tits in this. No statement has been truer said. Well, no, but here's the thing. There's a line that it must be read. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the ship is struck by an energy blast of massive titty-jiggling intensity. <laughs> I don't think time. I've ever heard anything described that way ever. <laughs> and probably never again unless you read another one of these... <laughs> But here's the thing, you're going to be going through life now, like, looking for these instances. (laughs) (laughs) So so somebody stop real fast at a stoplight. Was that titty jiggling? (laughs) (laughs) Intensity? So that was that was really cool. That was really fun. Mm. I I think that like Joe said, this book is clear about what it is, and it's totally unabashed about it, and just goes crazy and has a good time. Totally shamelessly, just tits and explosions and just mayhem and fun. Really well drawn, understandable, straightforward. Well, not straightforward, but understandable. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't go all over the yeah. place and leave you wondering what the hell's going on. It's clear enough, but definitely not poorly written. It's good. So I mean, it's good. It's quality. It's quality, but it's also totally crazy, which mm-hmm. is just great. Yeah. I think the only criticism that I would have is the copious amounts of framing text that are the in there. narrations. Yeah, that the narration kind of is, me is out. too much. There's too much narration. It's in this. really leading. Instead of and 
it's interesting because it almost feels like they're concerned that the visual storytelling, the images, aren't going to explain what's going on well enough, and it's supplemented by voiceover text, basically. You know, yeah. I actually have a theory about that. Hmm. I think they purposely did that to keep the page count down. There's a scene okay. here where a... Look at the titty. Okay, so... <laughs> It's just, I'm just looking at this scene. It's like it's like there's no reason the tits should be in there, but they're in a weird angle. But they're just oh, they're I know there exactly no what reason. scene you're talking this about. Is so good. Anyway, but it's still it's so good. So there's a scene where one of the vampire women is is laser beaming somebody, and it's clear she's leaning in. It's a really dynamic shot. She, laser beams are shooting out of her eyes, and or not like lightning beam, lightning bolt things. Lightning shooting bolts. out of her eyes. There's this big you know crack sort of sound, and somebody's dodging, and it's totally great. And then right next to that, it says the she creature fires shock bolts from her murderous eyes. Nearly electrocuting the necrobot to death. It's like, or yeah. I could just look at the picture. It's That's right true. there. You know, it's just a little much, too much narration. I just feel like the visual storytelling is good. It's clean. You can tell what's going on. It's dynamic. You can feel the motion and the fighting and in the action scenes. The narration doesn't need to be there as much as it is. Definitely not as much as it is. It's like, for me, I feel like narration is good to set up a shot when you're transitioning scenes or explain something that you feel would be difficult to explain visually but there's great visuals in this that totally describe what's going on in the scene already, totally adequately. And then laid on top of that is this box obtrusive of text that's just saying exactly what's happening right well, below Well, that the box. was a really 90s thing in comics, was mm -hmm. to do a lot So maybe it's stylized then? I think it is. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, it definitely has sort of 80s, 90s stylized yeah. sort of feel yeah. to it. Like, seriously, if you look at the... Um Early issues of the X-Men Volume 2, mm -hmm. maybe a quarter of a page is all narration. Hmm. And that's including, like, a quarter of the page, including the pictures. Mm. That's a lot of narration. Yeah, it's true. There was definitely a lot more text back in the day. Sort of streamlined things recently. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that, that would really be my only real complaint, is I feel like the writing doesn't give the art enough credit. Mm. It goes out of its way to describe things that don't need to be described because they're they're perfectly well described in visually in the images. It's possible they're worried that the the sheer amount of tit will distract from. <laughs> it is a little plot. distracting. It, I didn't even notice the tit moons until you guys showed. It. <laughs> a little Easter egg. It's always nice. Anyway, so let's go around and give our reviews, you guys. Brian. Well, out of five uh, issues, one to five right. issues. Well, as I with half points, don't with half that. points, yes. As I was telling both Joe and the eighth Henry before we started recording. I haven't just constantly giggled through something this much since I saw the movie Black Dynamite, which okay. is absolutely <laughs> wonderful. It's just hysterical. Great movie. Check it out sometime. Maybe I'll do a review of it sometime. But, yeah. like, even nudity aside, this thing was just really, really fun and funny. And I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. Wow. High score. Excellent. Edmund? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I think it's really dependent on how... I got the issues. I certainly wouldn't go out and buy another issue. But if they were handed to me, I might read another two. So Listen, if it's free, it's me and I'll take three. So you yeah. automatically got to go three yeah. if that's the case. I'll, I'll give it three Don't out pressure. of... Don't pressure. Yeah, no. I'll, I'll give it three out of five just to see what other crazy shit he will do with tits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, so three out of five. Yeah. I know. I already know the crazy shit I'd do with tits. But, uh, <laughs> oh. but your 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 rating would be. Oh yeah. <laughs> so these tits are distracting. I'm flipping it. Oh, there's tits on the back. <laughs> Just open it up to the side. Oh, crap. oh, there's tits everywhere. All right. Uh, yeah, we're we're kind of. That's, that's not good. <laughs> Too many tits. Well, never. <laughs> 
No, I'd definitely give it at least three, probably three and a half to four. Just because, man, it left a good cliffhanger, actually. It <laughs> totally, did. Totally did. So, I want to see, well, how does Jack Vanda get out of this predicament? <laughs> I, I have an idea, but I'm not going to ruin what might be their plot. Because I saw through to their ending. Yeah. But and motorboats his way through it, huh? Well, that would have been one of three of the possibles, <laughs> but I'm not, like uh, I said, I'm not going to. Let's not get into that. What, what is your rating? I actually am going to give it five. Five? Ooh. Because wow. I would actually pay for this. It says on the front cover, it is only five ninety nine, six dollars times five, thirty dollars I'd spend thirty dollars to own this. Yeah, you know what? It is very wow. entertaining. So own five issues. So own five issues. If, if of total five, I actually would, would pay to read these. You understand that this is half of the price of a volume of Lone Wolf and Cub. I understand, and I enjoy those more, but for other reasons. This is a is a different kind of amusement. It's not to say Lone Wolf and Cub and, and all of those. It, would you say it's are, a jiggly kind of? It's a, It's far more jiggly. <laughs> And, and less more graphic sword cutty uh, than Lone Wolf and Cub. You know what? You're you you gonna... want to know what's terrible? I just had an image of Jigglypuff stick in my head once oh. you said that. Oh. Oh. Why did we have to bring Pokemon into this? Oh, because Pokemon are everywhere. We will have a Pokemon of these pretty soon. Shoot. Uh, no no. <laughs> so you give it a five. I give it a five. Awesome. I think I'll give it a three. I thought it was really entertaining and fun. I probably wouldn't choose a story like this most of the time, just off the shelf while I was walking around. I probably yeah. wouldn't say, oh, Planet of the Vampire Woman, that sounds like a book made for me. Whereas that's <laughs> what Brian is thinking when he walks by it. I probably wouldn't have picked it up in the stores, you know? If it was given to me by someone, like, check this out, yes. Otherwise, I probably would have looked at that and been like, <laughs> walked off. Because you, <laughs> you have your dignity. I have my dignity, yes. I have my pride, <laughs> I have my a, dignity. Yeah. Your but small amount. You gotta my small, don't, yeah. Don't lose it all. And, you know, it's something that I probably wouldn't pick up unless somebody told me it was actually good. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the thing. It's uh, To me, it seems, at first glance, without actually having really had a chance to really read it, it seems almost too ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he needs to take a crack dealer sort of step at this and print yeah. little ash can versions, you know, first one's free. Mm-hmm. And once you're hooked, keep coming. Definitely, back. because I genuinely would like to see more of what happens. I enjoyed the experience. It's silly, it's fun, and, you know, who doesn't like boobs? I mean, boobs are great. People the world over, well, people the English world over, whenever something's really great, go, that's tits! Because <laughs> tits are great! It's one of the greatest things. It's like, it's a completely, those are synonyms, tits and great. Synonyms. Same. Good. Excellent. So, uh, altogether, very enjoyable. Check it out. For more information about Planet of the Vampire Woman, you can go to facebook.com forward slash brains comic book. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash hypnoskull comics. So check out their stuff. We'll make sure to put links in the show notes and check it out. Maybe pick yourself up a copy. It's Panda Manga approved. Very fun. Totally enjoyable. We look forward to seeing high Paul Allen in the future. <laughs> very high fun Yes, and it's, it was completely tits. <laughs> how more true. Ways than how true, how true. All right, well, let's take a musical break. Absolutely, let's take a musical break. When we get back, we're going to get into the Paracast portion of the Paracast, the paranormal stories. Can we play that milkshake song? No. No. It brings all the boys to the yard. Well, damn right, it's better than yours. <laughs> I hate you, but I have oh to Just turn on That's the That's it, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back to episode 24 of Geek Life, the Paracast. So next we're going to talk paranormal stories. So the homework for everybody was to come up with a paranormal story that has either happened to you or happened to a friend of yours. Something that is supposedly real, something that was recounted first or second hand or something like that, but not something that you just read somewhere on the internet or whatever. You know, if you couldn't come up with anything, fine, cool, tell a story. But hopefully we'll tell some stuff that is unique to us. This way it'll be less likely that one of the stories that comes up is something that our listeners have heard already. And I've dug up a little bit of Napa lore. For those of you that don't know, we record and live and hang out and exist in Napa, California. So uh, I dug up a little Napa ghost craziness, or I guess... I don't, and don't forget Napa Monsters. Napa Monsters, yes. Oh. So. It's not as fun as you think. <laughs> no, if it's what I'm thinking, because remember who I am, so. Yes, yes, this is true. You know all about it. Anyway, first, let's pick somebody at random. How about Joe? Okay. I got two stories. Okay, let's hear them. One's scary, one's cool. Ooh. So, the scary story naturally takes place with the... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, let me, let me, let me turn on our fireplace here. Ready? Alright, now now we've got a campfire going on. Alright, now tell your story. Okay. First one takes place hanging out with, of course, the admin and the attendant. (laughs) We're his only friends. Oh, what about me? (laughs) That's not accurate at all. I see. Joe is very popular with the ladies. Best friends. Okay, so you're with your best friends. Yeah. Uh, this was back in high school when we were all still trying not to go goth, but still trying to be, like, spooky and cool and... Conformist. <laughs> Joe no, had long not. hair. Joe did have long hair. And he was in a band. I w- what was I the band's name? That was Dark Iris. Dark Iris. It's yeah. very cool. Nice. Played bass. Incredibly edgy. Of course, still he was wearing bass. flannel at the time, so the look wasn't exactly... It's Sleep. a grunge thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a goth Sorry. grunge. Anyway, so that's <laughs> So we were trying to always, you know, get into crazy supernatural shit. And uh, one night, I remember they found this dude. I don't remember his name or where the hell you guys found him. I remember. But apparently he was he was a tune. And very much so, that he had weird stuff happening to him all the time. Attuned. Attuned. Okay. Oh, see, I thought you said he Attuned. was... Attuned. I, mean, yeah, I thought so as well. Like, <laughs> back to as cool in, world. As in, <laughs> as in possibly a Looney Tune, and that was yeah. also true. But yeah. anyhow. So, uh, he was attuned to paranormal stuff. Yes. Okay. So we took him around to kind of like gauge him and certain spots around town where Admin or Henry had some sort of paranormal experience. And so we drove him around and he picked up the hot spots. Like, wow. okay, something here and something here and now nothing here. Oh, wait, now something here. And it was, you know, dead on every single one of them. Eventually, we took him back to Henry's place and broke out the worst thing that's ever been invented, the Ouija board. Oh, yeah. why do you guys have one of those? We bad, bad. do not own one any longer. As a no, matter sure. of fact, I remember, was it Glow in the Dark? I think it was Glow Okay, this is the one thing of the story that I actually recall. Now, here's the fun thing about that. I don't remember how we got it or what happened to it. I just remember this one instance of it. I got it for a joke, and I got rid of it after this. Okay. <laughs> and, that, and that is the life and story of our Ouija board. Okay. Ouija it's, boards it's survived are not, they're, they're not good. No. Ouija boards are not allowed anywhere in my house at all. Or mine. 
Yes. No, I don't want them in the county. Yes, let's do that. Yeah. So, an so what happened? So we sit at the board and remember uh, we asked some questions. We got a couple of responses, you know, and it was all kind of for a minute. And then progressively the, the tone of the whatever we had got you know, more and more angry and violent until it's just repeating itself over and over and then breaking down into gibberish. And I remember looking at the gibberish and thinking I could sound something out. So I, I said it out loud and then I looked up and Henry and the admin and the other dude have all just blanched. They're all white as ghosts looking behind me at the window. Oh, awesome. So immediately I shut up and turn around. There's nothing there. What are you guys looking at? And they had all seen something in the window. So to this day, I do not f- with the supernatural. Witchy boards are just inviting trouble. No. Not, not, do, you, not, do you guys remember at all what you saw in the window? I really honestly have no memory of this beyond the fact that the Ouija board glue, uh, glowed in the dark. Henry? I, I do. I do not want to speak about it. Okay. I mean, yeah, the, 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 it was that bad. So what about your cool story? Yes, let's have So cool the story. cool story. I am completely unattuned, so I attract no supernatural anything. That you know of. Well, <laughs> aside from that one time, like since then, nothing. This was a hard homework assignment for me. <laughs> but I do remember this one instance that was very powerful for me. When I lived in Colorado and I got my first tattoo, the Thor's hammer on my forearm here, mm-hmm. finally got enough reference material to draw the symbol myself, and I put my name in it in runic, and it's very, my family's very Norwegian, so it's very important, our heritage, you know, to make me strong, to make me, make me virile, make me manly, <laughs> and I put it on my, my strong arm, so there's always a little bit of reserve there. Mm-hmm. And the day I decide to go get the tattoo, it's got to be 85, 90 degrees out. It's just blistering hot. It's miserable out. I don't have a car in Colorado. I lived in California. <laughs> I moved out there. I was on camp. I was in the dorms, dude. I didn't have to go anywhere. So figure out where the tattoo place is and walk there. Good two miles to the Atomic Buddha in Greeley, Colorado. Nice, that's a great name. That yeah. is very cool. Yeah, they had a pretty cool logo. You know, Atomic Buddha was badass. Awesome. So my my two roommates decide they're going to tag along with me. You know, they got nothing else to do this afternoon. About a half mile in, one of my roommates is like, Dude, this is, this is too hot. I'm going home. All right, man, we'll see you at dinner. But my other roommate comes with me. He sticks the whole track out, and it's just awful. We're sweating and miserable by the time we finally get there. So we get to the shop, go in, you know, no wait. They didn't have anyone really there. Sit down, get the uh, the tattoo drawn on me. There's a girl in the chair next to me getting hers done and breaks out into song. And I'm a little confused by that. And the guy working on me says, dude, don't worry about it. We actually get a lot of singers. <laughs> this happens more than you think. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, you know, when it's finished, big fleshy part of my arm doesn't hurt too bad. But my roommate is sitting there cringing, like, oh, God, the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
just can't stand the sight of you know bleeding and the ink and just the guy jabbing me. But yeah, I'm cool. I'm, I'm chilling out, enjoying it. Get finished, pay, tip the guy because it looks real nice. And as soon as we step outside, the sky has gone almost completely black with clouds. Like it's like 1:30 in the afternoon, and it was 85 degrees two hours ago. So we get out and kind of confused and like, oh crap. Well, I think there's a back way back to the campus. So we cut through a couple of uh, business parks and the football field and end up back at the, the dorms really quickly. And it started to sprinkle. It's it's not bad. It's just, it's like, all right, well, we were sweating on the way in. Now we're soaked on the way back. Right outside my dorm, lightning strikes the building. Nice. Right Thor in front pleased. of me. I have a brand new Thor's hammer on my arm, <laughs> and the building gets struck by lightning. Thor, awesome. the god of thunder, approves. Awesome. Coming up next, we're going to hear the Brian's paranormal story. You're listening to the Geek Life Paracast. Stick with us. <laughs> Episode 24. Guess it's time for me to tell my stories. Kind of like where the 8th Henry was going a little bit before with Joe's story, I actually have been attuned before, and my stories are either really dull and crappy, or they're things I don't want to repeat because I don't want to remember them and don't want to invite that sort of stuff in. Mm -hmm. The story I'm actually going to say, because my other ghost stories are kind of also dull, is actually something that I heard in 2001. At the time, I was driving like half hour, 40 minutes to school every day, and this was during Halloween. One of the Bay Area morning shows on the radio actually was asking people for their real, true paranormal stories. Mm -hmm. And this one has stuck with me through the years. So this guy gets on, and he's talking about this apartment that he and a former roommate had in Daly City. You know this one. I do. So these guys get this apartment, and the guy who's telling the story, he says on his closet door, there's all this like weird twine and stuff on it. And he's like, whatever, you know, it's there. I don't know what's going on. He goes to sleep that night, and he dreams. He's in his room, and also in this room is like this girl who's dead. Basically like ghost kind of girl. Doesn't really say anything, doesn't really do anything. They're just kind of in the room together. Next night, same dream. 
keeps having the dream every day. About a month later, his roommate's like, I don't know who to tell anybody. So I'm going to tell you this. Ever since we moved in here, I've been having this weird dream where I've been in my room and the guy goes, wait, is there a girl, like a dead girl in your room, like a ghost? And he's like, yeah. Does she look like this and describe the same girl? So they're both having the exact same dream every night of being stuck in their room with this girl. It sounds really horrible. It yeah. is. It's not even the worst of it. Okay. And so what he eventually, after a while, figures out is that if he closes the door on his closet, they don't have the dreams at all. So as long as the closet door is closed, they're fine. Well, the trouble came when he saw all the string on the door, he took it off. That's right. And that was what let it go, or whatever the case was. Whenever you see something weird, you go someplace where it should all be just normal. You see something just weird or kooky. Leave uh, it be. You just leave it be, or you consult professionals, and then you let them not leave it be, and then you can be let be. (laughs) (laughs) So once they put the twine back on and closed the closet door, didn't have the dreams at all. Sadly, this guy actually went off on like for two weeks on a vacation. Accidentally forgot to close his closet door and locked the door to his room. Roommate was stuck for two weeks with the dream again. (laughs) They eventually moved out of the place. Nothing ever happened to him again. But it was just a weird, creepy thing that kind of happened. And that story has stuck with me for 11 years. It's intense. Well, people are looking at me. All right, admin, let's hear your story. I was looking at the Henry. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I actually do have a background with a lot of paranormal stuff. I grew up in a haunted house, and I don't know, I've always kind of run into this sort of stuff, but I tend not to have a negative opinion of it, like some people might. Um, I kind of just accept it as another part of the world that we live in, and I tend not to let it worry me too much. Sure, there are negative aspects, but without negative, there's no positive, I guess is the way that I think about it. But, you know, I was thinking back, thinking, okay, what would be a good story for the Paracast? I have a lot of complex stuff, but I do happen to have one nice, neat, and tidy ghost story that I think is really cool. And it took place, God, it must have been back in high school, based on the people that I was with. And because I have trouble keeping track of fake names, I'm just going to use their real names because there's no way that uh, they will ever listen to this. And if they do, I'm sure they won't have a problem with it anyway. So here in Napa, we have one large nature park called Westwood Hills. And it's, God, how many acres do you think that is? At least five, but it's all vertical. Yeah, it's a very (laughs) hilly area um, with a lot of trees, a lot of eucalyptus. A lot of poison oak. Yeah, if you go off trail. Yeah, and some of the off trails are like death marches. Yeah. Yeah. But I was sticking to the main path. Yeah. So four of us would regularly go to Westwood Hills kind of as a weekend thing. Oh my God, this was in middle school. So my friend Brittany, myself, Baldy, who had an afro, which is why I named him Baldy, and Robbie went to Westwood Hills. We climbed up the initial big old mountain part and then went down into the valley. And the valley is... I mean, just that a valley. It's a big open area. It has a hill in the center, and then the different paths kind of fan out from that point. And we are taking the left path. So we're walking down the valley, we take the left path, and we come into a clearing. And this is no surprise. We've been in this area a ton, and it's definitely part of a main path. But for whatever reason, you know, the weather was nice. It was sunny. And we said, you know, let's stop here. Let's eat. Let's relax in this area. And ultimately, we decided to play a game of hide and seek because, you know, that's what you do in a nature reserve. 
Now, to be fair, Napa doesn't have a lot of big bad animals. I mean, we've got mountain lions, but not in that area. So the most we'd have to worry about is poison oak or some angry cows. Or rattlers. Oh, wait. Deer. Wrong season. You also deer. get deer. Oh, it's wrong season. It's wrong season deer. for rattlers. How do you know? You weren't there. Uh, you described it to me. It was in spring. Huh. Well, either way. So we decided to play hide and seek, and I'm it. So I stand in the middle of the clearing, and I start counting to 100, and yeah, everybody runs off and hides. Now, Brittany, a little eccentric, crazy, hyperactive. E eccentric is fair. Yeah. yeah. So she's one of those people, or was at that point, one of those people who would think, I can hide in plain sight, and because cartoons get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm standing was there a tree with one arm down, yeah. one arm up? Yeah, <laughs> cactus arm movement, no. So, I'm standing in the center, I have my hands over my eyes, and I'm counting, and I hear Brittany sneak up behind me to hide behind me, because, you know, that would be the last place I looked, right? <laughs> so, I hear her, her footsteps, because there's a lot of ground cover, and she stands really close behind me. You know how you get that feeling when you know somebody is right behind you because it's freaking obvious because you could hear their footsteps? Right. Mm -hmm. So I can feel her behind me. She's not physically touching me, but she's probably about, oh God, five inches away from me. And I could sense her breath. There is no doubt she is there. I'm like, okay, Brittany, sure, whatever. I don't say anything. I just continue counting. And then 98, 99, 100. I pull my hands off of my eyes, I jump around, I put my arm out to smack her in the stomach, and there's nobody there. Now, note that, like I said, there's a lot of ground cover. I clearly heard, who I, you know, I thought Brittany come up right behind me and stop. Nobody walked away, there is no steps away. I still, up until that very moment, felt somebody behind me. There was physically somebody behind me. Mm -hmm. So... I flip around and nobody's there and I'm really f***ing confused. <laughs> so I just kind of stand there and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, did she, what? You know, some kind of magic trick going on? <laughs> and so I slowly start wandering around. I see Robbie and eventually I see Brittany like pretty far away in the bushes. I call her, I'm like, you know what? Forget this, come back. I need to talk to you. And I don't actually find Baldy until I call Ollie Ollie Oxenfree, and he comes down from a tree. Now, this is actually really important. Baldy was in a tree in such a way so he had full visual access to the entire clearing. He saw everything. He saw me at all times. There's no point where he did not see me. And when I told the story, he's like, there was at no point anybody behind you. Nobody came up behind you. So, yeah... Something came up behind me, but it wasn't visible to anybody else. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's all there is. It, it, it definitely was not negative. It was just a playful spirit that wanted to play hide and seek as well, I guess. And it knew it could hide and play itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess well, advantage of being a ghost. Yeah, this is true. Well, uh, I'll go next. So, Chaz, who's been on podcast long ago and hopefully someday again soon, uh, Chaz and I, we uh, used to live pretty close to each other. I would say there was like the main drag in the neighborhood that we lived in, and a couple blocks apart on the drag, uh, on the main drag, uh, I was on one side of the street and he was on the other. He was a couple blocks up the hill, and so we would always cut through the you know suburban houses behind the way by his house and then head up the hill to his house. And it was you know maybe like a five ten minute walk if that like leisurely. So very often he would show up at my house, I would show up at his house, and you know we'd be walking back and forth. 
And so it became real common for us to kind of take this one particular path. So we'd go up the street a little bit, take our first left, take our first right, and kind of go parallel with the main road along this little side road. And this is a very nice, sleepy little neighborhood, you know, like kind of upper middle class sort of feeling. So really nothing sketchy going on, perfectly safe for a couple kids who are walking around mid-afternoon, even evening time. And we would often take nighttime walks and things like that. There was this one time where we were coming down from his house, and we hang right onto the street, and it's parallel to that road. And, you know, it's really just a block or two before we hang a left and back out into the main drag and over to my house. And so we're just walking along, and there's this house on the left, and uh, it's lit up. For some reason, their, like, walkway is well lit. And so it's always comforting for there to be lights, you know, in the dark night. And so we're thinking, okay, cool. So we go over by that house, and we kind of walking past it. As we're walking past it, out of the corner of my eye, I see this big black dog who's sitting on its hind legs, and it kind of comes up and then starts running at me, like, big time. So I take off running... And look ahead, and Chaz is running. <laughs> so Chaz, Chaz saw this too, right? And we're like, what? And we look back, and there's nothing there. And we both kind of slow down, and we're like, what just happened? And we don't slow down much because we just keep going, <laughs> you know? And we get to my house, and, and I'm like, did you see that dog? And he's like, yeah, I saw that dog. It was like a big black dog. It was like running hard. But then we're thinking, like, did you hear anything? We didn't hear a thing. Absolutely no sound, but we both, both of us, clearly saw this dog in this particular driveway come just booking towards us, and could have sworn that we saw that vividly. And so we don't go back that way that night. <laughs> and but then a couple nights later, we go back past there, kind of curiously but timid, and we go back and we kind of walk past, and what we notice is that there's a white statue of a dog in this area. And so we're thinking like, okay, maybe we saw the statue, but they were like, no, but it was black, dude. It was a black dog. And the statue was, like, little. As we're walking past, we had the distinct sense that the statue moved a little. <laughs> you know, and again, it could have been our nerves and stuff, but it looked like it tracked us a little bit as we walked past. And so we basically ran past that or took a different way for the rest of the time that we were over there <laughs> forever. I mean, Henry knows about this. This became a thing. Like, we would not go past there at nighttime. There's just no way. You couldn't force us to because we had, like, the phantom dog lived at this house. They were determined to avoid it. It was bad, man. I wish I had been able to see it because I live for that sort of thing. You do. I do. <laughs> Let's see. I did promise a little bit of Napa paranormal history real quick. And so I'll, I'll just do that real quick all at once, and then we can get into Henry's story. So I would say arguably our most famous... Yeah, Evan's grinning over there. Arguably Napa's most famous paranormal thing are the Rebobs. Rebobs! So the Rebobs are, <sighs> are these creatures that live up on this road called Partrick Road. Now, if you look it up online, if you're trying to find this, there's YouTube videos and stuff of like paranormal investigators coming up here. So dumb. I, yeah, it's, it's bad. Yeah. Anyway, so there's some articles and stuff on this online. You may need to look up Patrick Road because mm-hmm. nobody seems to actually read the map. Yeah. And they see P-A-R-T-R-I-C and they go, that's Patrick. <laughs> but it's actually Partrick Road. Mm-hmm. So locals know. So... Up on Partrick Road, it's this creepy little road, and it winds down to like a one-lane road, mm-hmm. and way at the very end, the road veers to the right and the left, and I believe to the left, there's this creepy old house, and also like a cemetery out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a creepy area. And, it's, and a slaughterhouse. And it was a slaughterhouse? It was an old slaughterhouse. So, the plot thickens. Essentially, it's just this kind of creepy area, and it's infamous in the Napa teenage years area. Because the other direction. Because the other direction. In the fork in the road. 
the other direction yeah. is make out point. Yes, exactly. It's direction. actually a great view. Yeah, the other direction is like that make out area, right? So it's it's a frequented area, but it's also kind of a frequent dare you to go out there sort mm-hmm. of place. Mm-hmm. Like I dare you to go get like a grave rubbing, you know, out on Partridge Road or whatever. And so over the years, these stories have come out about these half monkey, half human creatures that have wings that can fly and basically accost cars. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll get you, my pretty. Yeah, yes, exactly. Wizard of Oz. They're very much these Wizard of Oz creatures, but they're a whole lot more dark and horrible looking. Uh, but anyway, so so the Rebobs are basically flying monkey people that come and attack cars coming up Partrick Road, especially if you're heading to the left and up into that you know area, and it's kind of like their domain. And they have the glowing red eyes. They have glowing red eyes. So so here's the story, basically. They have glowing red eyes, and they, they are known for either throwing rocks at, or attacking, and or landing on the roof of cars. And so it's not uncommon for people to hear strange things on their roof, and then get out after they get wherever it is that they're going, and see dense claw marks. I mean, like, I've, I've known people that have had this happen to them. There's something that goes on up there, whether it's the rebobs or not, who knows. Mm-hmm. But that is kind of the local lore, is that these flying monkey people, and they're aggressive and protecting their area or whatever reason, but there's the red glowing eyes. I've heard many people say that they've seen red glowing eyes out there, many first-hand accounts of that, and several different people have given me first-hand accounts of stuff happening to their car. I've seen damage on people's car from being out in Partrick Road. I think that... Brian's friends went out on Partridge Road one night in like a rainy, stormy night and actually saw a bunch of people standing around a campfire, standing around. It's a little different, but yeah. It's just kind of funny, but yeah. I'll tell that one after. But anyway, it's just just kind of this creepy, creepy old road, Partridge Road, and it's just famous for, you know, I dare you to go out there and these terrible rebobs coming and attacking you and stuff. And apparently there's also this guy with a shotgun who kind of frequents the area and he's been connected with encounters with the rebobs for some reason. Yeah, so do you know where the rebobs came from and how this all links in with a shotgun guy? No, let's hear it. Gather round, friends. (laughs) So, first of all, let me reveal the secret behind Shotgun Man. The area of Partrick's Road, where all these buildings are, is on private property. Dude with shotgun, that's his property. Mm -hmm. He does not like the teenagers coming down to do all these dares and make out on his area. So, that's all that is with that guy. He just hates trespassers. So, where did the rebobs come from? Way, way long ago in the 1950s, because that's when scientists were doing these crazy things, a mad scientist was Mm, in that building. Yes. And he was doing genetic testing. Once again, because that's what we were doing in the 1950s. Well, technically, in the late 30s through 50s, that was like the time of Maverick Adventures. Yeah. So. So the story goes that he spliced these creatures together... And at first he kept them in his lab, but ultimately they overpowered him and escaped out into nature. They ended up killing him also, right? Yes. And they decided, for whatever reason, just to stay in the area of Partrick's Road instead of going full zombie attack and spreading throughout the countryside. It was, but, I believe, precisely the medical thing was for the lulls. <laughs> that is why medical decided. reason. There's also some speculation that there's a government installation out there of some kind. Well, it is true that... The government owns quite a bit of land in the hills surrounding Napa. Um, yeah, near Bothay Park. They, they have, and they have and there out. are, like, places where there are, like, 
spotlights and like high large metal gates and stuff like that mm-hmm. around in that area. So there's there's some no sketchy reason. business happening up there for sure. And it's a majority of the hills. Actually my father at one point had driven up there test driving a Jeep of all things. He's like, well, let's see if this really goes all the way, you know. <laughs> and he came to a wired off area that did have the actual signs that say you will be shot if you cross yeah, this point. I've seen those as well. It's serious business. Yeah, it, and actually, it really is. Yeah. It kind of links into Napa's whole UFO stuff. Which well, that and I think I've heard people say that it's like a safe bunker sort of thing for important people in the government. I've heard people. Of course, I have to be near the wine. Of course, no. no. Yes, exactly. And, and I well, also, if you I, think about it, there's a private airport nearby. And, right. That's true. You know, right. and right. Travis Air Force Base. And Travis so Air Force nearby. Base is right, right exactly. by. So one final thought on the rebobs is that in my research preparing for this little segment, somewhere on the internet, somebody decided that. Rebobs are also part robot. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. So, so I figured I'd just throw that out there, that, that that is now apparently in some capacity part of the Rebob stories. So i got to throw a couple things out about the Rebob. So did Can you, you d- tell this is like a local thing, you guys? <laughs> yeah. this is like so flying so what I heard, like, right. the, the reason that, like, they talk about the Rebobs in the 50s is because there is that, like, kind of abandoned house out there and somebody did go missing. Like, they don't know what happened to the guy. He just up and disappeared one day, and they don't know what happened. So that's where the mad scientist who got killed came from. Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys hear about the rebobs in high school by any chance? Oh, yeah, of course. Well, okay. Middle so that's While well, eating a cheese zombie. So here's yes, exactly. the great thing. So I am at least four years older than everybody in this room right now. I never heard about the rebobs until I was in my mid-twenties. Really? Yes. Odd. So in high school, the thing about Partrick Road was that the cemetery up there was where like all the witches and stuff went up and did like, you know, devil worship and demon summoning and stuff like that. That was the dare to go to the cemetery and try and find witches stuff when I was in high school. So that story that you had about my friends, one of these guys was my roommate, and they were driving an SUV up. He was actually driving it, and he was kind of a little scared, and it was kind of a dare thing. Let's just say he's not a scary movie guy at all. No, he is not a scary movie guy at all. He doesn't buy into the scary for fun. No. Does he have T-Rex arms, too? (laughs) Well, the thing is, he's probably the toughest guy I know, but paranormal (laughs) stuff scares him like nobody's business. So um, he's up there. He's driving up. So he's up road. there on this is, this a is dare. Like a rainy freaking. Yeah, day. it's a, it's a rainy day. He's driving up there, and he sees what he thinks is a fire in the middle of the cemetery. Immediately freaks out, puts the car in reverse, and drives down this windy hill, this windy single lane hill, on a dark and stormy night, as fast as he can in reverse. Holy <laughs> crap! You can you can Google Maps. Partrick Road and do the street view so you can see what we're talking about. Yes, yeah. it, it is a creepy little windy country road. You can imagine it feeling like there's demon monkeys flipping around in the trees <laughs> coming to attack you. It is it is a creepy middle of nowhere spot. And I am really impressed that like this was his first time up there and he still managed to like floor it in reverse all the way back down the hill. It's impressive. It's did, very did they, did impressive. They see people around the fire? Well, here's the thing. They went out the next day, found out that what they saw up there was like a hut. And there was just a light on. (laughs) How funny. Yes. So good. Well, I think we're going to take one last musical break, and when we get back, we're going to get into Henry's paranormal story. You're listening to Geek Life Paracast. Stay with us.
8th Henry story on Geek Life's Paracast, Anime.com's very own podcast, episode number 24. Take it away, Henry. All right. So this occurred right in the beginning stages of my courting the administrator. I hadn't spent very much time with her or her family. This is just the introductory bit. So she goes off to get ready and or tell her parents something, and I'm left alone in their kitchen. And as she mentioned before, her house does have some paranormal activity. Now, to be no stranger to paranormal activity myself, I just casually wait around for her, looking at her backyard through the kitchen window, and there's a man that runs by. And this man is whiter than white. Not quite albino, but like, like, he, like he, he seems like he doesn't get much sun. And he just booking it. I mean, just hauling ass past her kitchen window. And I run to the kitchen window to look like, who the hell is in her backyard? And interesting point of fact, the spot just outside of the kitchen window is four feet off of the ground where the deck starts. It's completely enclosed. The gate there is locked. So, and it's all lattice work. And so if anyone was to jump over it, it would have broken it. It can't hold a human's well, he, weight. At the speed he was running, he would have slammed it in the yeah, door. There was no chance for him to have started or ended in that space. With that speed. At that speed. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, well, I'm pretty sure what I just saw was some sort of ghost or some sort of joke. So when she gets back, I go, there was somebody in your backyard. I just saw them over there. And she said... Oh, yeah, that was just the running man. At that point, I knew... It was love. (laughs) No, it was most certainly all my suspicions had been confirmed at that point that, yes, I had just seen a ghost and that it was cool. There are other people who have seen it. Her mom has seen it. I've seen the running man also over there. Although I didn't see a white person so much as I saw basically a shadow zip across in front of the window. And I've seen that several times. What's interesting about The Running Man is that it's so consistent and so many people have seen it. A lot of the paranormal stuff that we've talked about, a lot of paranormal stuff that even the admin has talked about in her house, where she calls herself house haunted, some of it some people have seen, but this one, it's uncanny how many people have seen it. I guess it's just because it happens right near a social meeting area in your home. It's in the kitchen, and the kitchen's directly connected to the living room area. So we spend time in there, eating dinner, hanging out, talking, whatever, and inevitably we see The Running Man just run past that window. Yeah, I really think that that's probably just a residual haunting. I doubt that there is any intelligence behind that because it's the yeah, same thing. Yeah, it seems thing. like an echo sort of just yeah. repeating the same thing. An echo of time thing. Especially with the height difference because, like the 8th Henry said, the deck is four feet off the ground and I believe when that house was built, quite a bit of land was cleared beforehand because the person who built the house did a lot of renovations to the land. He basically bought a parcel of land that had a small farmhouse on it and built a rather ridiculous large house literally on top of the farmhouse. Hmm. And actually, that's kind of a funny little side pseudo-paranormal story. It's not ghostly, but it's just weird and might explain some of the strange things that go on with that house. Aren't there pieces and parts of the old building inside your house? Mm. So, the man who built my parents' house and they're still living there, though they've done quite a bit of renovations and I found that now that the renovations are done, pretty much everything is gone. Mm. But the man who built the house initially was actually a fairly well-known contractor in the Napa Valley in the 70s, I think. So he's responsible for a lot of the houses built around that time. The house that my parents live in right now was actually a house that he built for himself. So he did not use the same standards that he would use for a house that he was building for profit. You would have thought he'd make it better, but you know. No, 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 no. He just wanted to get his party hut up. So, like I said before, he bought a parcel of land. Napa, before it became known for the wine industry, was actually well known for its uh, pears. 
pears and, and peaches. peaches. And, and, and the it's an orchard called the castle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But Which is um, another story for another time. Yeah, it was an orchard, and so this parcel of land was the remnants of an orchard. We had a lot of cherry trees, even at the time when my parents bought it. So it was an acre of land, part of an orchard, and then a very small one-bedroom farmhouse. So dude buys this land, and he's like, okay, party time. And he builds a one, two, three, four-bedroom house with slanted hallways. But most notably, he doesn't bother to get rid of the farmhouse. He builds around it. And when my parents bought it, they knew to some degree that he had done this because my dad went into the attic to inspect it and found a roof in the attic. So that was fun. Yeah, like a double roof. Yeah, so it was the original so roof. And the, the farmhouse was pretty old. It was probably built in the 30s. Just a simple little farmhouse. So he sees the roof. He's like, okay, that's a thing. Whatever. It's a good deal. Bias it. Then flash forward, God, probably 15 years later, my grandmother had come to live with us. And because she was an old Hungarian lady, she was always cold. And my dad decided, okay, we're going to put in some more heating vents. He goes into his bedroom, which kind of transfers over to her area, which is a living room. And he's like, okay, we're going to put a heating vent here. So he carves a hole through the drywall and he leans in to carve the hole through the other side. And there's a man there in the wall. And he screams, falls back, about has a heart attack, puts himself together, he's like, what the hell just happened? Looks back in, it's a pane of glass. It is one of the original house's windows. Inside the wall. Inside the wall. The contractor literally was like, yep, wall goes here, drywall, drywall, sandwiches the original walls in the new walls. Mm. Creepy, (laughs) creepy crap. Yeah, it's a strange house, for sure. I think that probably has a lot to do with why stuff was going There's on in that house. There's a copious amount of paranormal stuff that goes on at that house. Yeah. No question. I will say this about the construction. In Napa, it is a lot faster, a lot cheaper, and a lot easier to get permits to remodel a house True. than it is to rebuild a house. So a lot of contractors, when they buy a property and they want to make their own house, what they will do is they will knock down every wall in the house except for one and leave power running to it and then say that they're remodeling the house. (laughs) This guy just went extra. Yeah, basically they're building. My cousin even did this where he remodeled his house and eventually once all the remodels were almost all the way done, he knocked down that wall. (laughs) That's very common around here. That guy was just ultra lazy and just (laughs) built around it. But yeah. Crazy. Craziness. So, moral of the story, build brand new houses. Yes, do. Mm-hmm. Um, preferably non-creepy land. Yeah, non-Indian yeah. burial ground. Yeah, let's let's avoid that. Let's just avoid all that pet cemetery shit. Anyway, so thanks for sticking with us for the Paracast. I know that some of our stories weren't incredibly amazing, but they are real. So there's that. <laughs> so, yeah, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. I see dead people. Shit. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners, so please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with any questions, comments, or insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. 
Music has been provided by Eric Plus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Joe, and we'll see you next time. And that's why you don't have tattoos yet. I thought that's what you were going to say, and that's why you don't have tits. <laughs> <laughs>